Ahoy and welcome to The Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related including illness, wellness, stigma and support and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. I'm Mike and while I'm being mindfully mindless hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm. they can appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. Sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission to say, you just need a little bit of help. I don't think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Ahoy and welcome to Open Journal. I hope you're well. Hope things are good for you. Welcome to this episode. And this time we're not joined by a new guest, but rather a returning guest. So a big thank you to Jojo who came back um, and sat down and had a conversation with us during her lunch break. So a big thank you for giving up some of that lunchtime to sit down and have a conversation with us. We talk through a few things. We check in on the Sister Eyes retreat on the Fearless Morning Show, on Living Past Crazy, and uh, a lot of other things that relate to JJ. Um, so a big thank you to her for sharing her experience and her insights as well. If you listen to our conversation and feel particularly inspired and feel like maybe it's something you might want to do in the future as well, you can find information about being a podcast guest on the website, which is openjournalbc.com. And there's a bit of information about being a potential guest there as well hopefully you do enjoy our conversation and that might also mean that you're willing to leave a review on your podcast platform or provider so do do that it does help other people uh discover the podcast in these conversations uh and as always i think it's a really nice way to encourage people to go away and have their own um if they've heard some examples i also find them as a really useful way to gain an insight into people with different experiences to my own as well as well as just having a great chat and to be honest that's really what this episode is I absolutely love sitting down and speaking with Jojo and having just yeah just a conversation really uh th there's some loose structure here but re <laughs> really it's just two people sitting down for sort of 40 50 minutes and having a chat I really hope you enjoy it I don't I don't know what else I can say other than I'm really disappointed I don't have a Burger King tweet right now it'll make sense enjoy the episode Yeah, oh, I was going to say, by the time we get Burger King, it's all over with. We're oh, done God. for today. <laughs> <laughs> I went, <laughs> I feel like this is probably the beginning. Um, I went the other yes. day to a, <laughs> to a friend's house. We'd arranged to, to meet up after work and play board games. And he'd said, um, 
oh, do you want to come around for dinner? And I said, well, you finish a little bit later than me. So I've got sort of half Mm -hmm. an hour, 40 minutes. I said, I'll just get some food beforehand. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I've started now when I'm going to meet people, I turn on my location tracker on my phone so they know Mm -hmm. how close I am. (laughs) I got there and he said, oh, I saw when you turned it on, you're outside Burger King. (laughs) 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 Don't judge me. (laughs) I was like, look, I needed to get dinner. I was driving past. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) Oh, dear. That's funny. (laughs) Look, I'm having a nice evening. Uh, This is a prime opportunity to come in. (laughs) It is. It feels like I, I, I think we've got two that are near us that have closed down now. Like over the last, well, the last couple of years with everything oh, pandemic related. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we've got the. I think it's the two that are the closest to me have closed. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow. So I guess possibly because they don't do like deliveries and things, but it's been to try and loosely return us to our <laughs> to the sort yeah. of things that we're going to talk about. Um. Like it's been two years where we, we haven't been able to just drop into Burger King yes. to, um, and and I guess other places. I don't know yeah. why you'd want to go anywhere else, but. Yes, I um, have no idea why either. <laughs> um, it's been two years. It's been a little while since we spoke. Like how, I guess let's let's narrow it down because that's a quite a big amount of time. How have yes. you been over the last kind of couple of weeks to start off with? It has been, I will say it has been good for me. Um I am, well, inside of corporate America, what I'm finding is that I have to be good mentally because my employees are going to pieces mentally. And so I am holding a lot of space for them um, because I, I have a rule where you can come and talk to me about anything or about nothing. So I have an open door policy that says, if you need to talk or not to talk, I'm here, you can come do whatever you wanna do. And let me tell you, they have been taking advantage of that time. And um, and I've just been holding space for them. And so I've had to be okay myself in order to deal with them. So I'm doing peachy over here. I'm doing really good. Oh, that's good. I think it's, um, it's really interesting. I've started to see a few conversations now around um, kind of like the support or the well-being that's needed for um people that are offering that to other people so maybe they're in a uh like a counselor or therapist role maybe they're a line manager maybe they're responsible for people i think in our last conversation we talked about kind of being there for other family members and friends as well Mm -hmm. um so there's kind of lots of of those conversations i'm starting to see those pick up um but how like you say how has it been in the workplace where you're taking on that it's not just a an informal relationship that's a professional yeah. relationship where you're yeah. you're there to care yeah, for and, other people yeah and then you know it's, it's a hard line to draw because people are coming to you and they're coming to you with hard life things like I had one who um her daughter tried to commit suicide I had another who her daughter got kicked out of school and so on top of me holding space for this person, I now have to a lot time for away from work, which means I don't have anybody in that position. So I walk a fine line of saying, hey, I really need you be here at work, 
but I also support all the crazy that you have going on in your life. And so it's, it's a very delicate and fine balance. Like I want to make sure they have all of their tools. So I'll say, Hey, reach out to your, the resources that we have. Cause you know, you know, your EAP gives you free counseling. It gives you all this free stuff, making sure they have the tools so that they can continue to keep their job and come back to work. Um, and I think a lot of people are afraid to say anything um, because they don't want to, they don't want to lose their job. Yeah. I think, I guess being, being on the edge of these conversations, like I work mm -hmm. in a, I work in a mental health charity, but I'm not a practitioner. I don't directly work with mm -hmm. practitioners. I'm sort of next to them. Um, mm -hmm. Like I see that sort of side of, there's awareness of the support that's needed for practitioners and for people yeah. in those roles. But yes. I also get really worried. There's almost a level of acceptance that these roles are, oh, I guess, yeah. similar to how we used to see like recruitment roles where it's like mm -hmm. someone goes and does this for six months, two years maximum. Yes. Gets burnt <laughs> out and then on to the next one. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that's good. Some yeah, days you I, feel that. Yeah. I guess it's, like that, that worry that we're sort of that like you say that balance between accepting mm -hmm. that but also kind of how do we how do you keep that balance between right. we need you in work to provide the care for 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 the patients yeah patients um, it is, also it is we hard. want to care for you as well and recognize yeah. the people that are sometimes adding extra value with their own yes. Lived experience yes might have a little bit of a balancing act to do themselves there yeah and it's it's, it's difficult and I, I had to come to that realization when working with one young lady who is she's fabulous at her job and she has a lot on her plate but it, it also took me acknowledging that some people like chaos they like the chaos and they like the crazy that comes with life and they will always have a crisis. And they, there's a quote that I saw on LinkedIn that this guy's mother said, and it said, um, people will always need you, will want you to be at your best so you can be there for them at their worst. And there are some people who are always going to have a worst moment. They're never going to have a good moment. And so they're always going to need you to be at your top best so that they can take what they need from you. And so I had to realize that it doesn't matter the coaching I'm going to give her, the life insight, the tools. It's, it's not going to work because it's not something she's interested in taking part of. And so what I can do is just be that listening ear and say, okay, that's great. Um, you can have today off, but please make sure you're back in the office, you know, tomorrow. Because some people, you know, unfortunately, you don't want to think that, but some people really like crazy. It's having, like you say, it's having that space, isn't it? It's having that space mm -hmm. for people. And I know, um, I think possibly last time when we spoke, you through the work you're doing with conversations and with the retreat, and yes. you're bringing people together that are going to have lots of different lived experience. Yes. Um, and sometimes bringing that together can can add so much, but it also yes. comes with a lot of things to manage and sometimes mitigate as well it can be a yeah. difficult balancing act yeah yeah it can it can be really um it can be really challenging which like you said the practitioners need their support even though i'm i'm a practice manager so i manage three offices mm -hmm. um 
I also need that. You know, I have to be mindful of the support that I need if I'm going to hold the space for these people. Like you said, you get the burnout and, you know, you find people like, okay, yeah, I've done this and I don't like this. (laughs) I'm out. Goodbye. And, you know, that's all they have. They don't have anything. They don't have anything left to give. Uh, Yeah, it's it's a difficult process, isn't it? And I guess uh, the important thing is that conversations like the ones you've mentioned are happening where where we do have um leaders talking to their staff or to their friends or their colleagues about that um we kind of touched a little bit there on on some of the the work you're doing i know i think last time was like just leading up to one of the retreats that were happening so it'd be really interesting to hear a bit more about that or potentially for people that haven't I don't know why they haven't haven't listened to our previous conversations <laughs> yeah, go back and listen they should to go listen to all of them <laughs> um can you tell us a bit more about about the sister rise retreat and kind of what goes so, on and what they are let me tell you I'm so excited the retreat happened in October of last year and uh of course it'll be October again this year um and it was the most I would tell you the most amazing thing we were on a private island so you had to have credentials to even get to where we were. And, you know, it was just a whole experience. The house was on the beach. And in the back, we had a boat dock where we could, you know, literally sit by the dock of the bay and just, oh. you know, watch the sunset. And then there were deer out there. And this year I had a smaller group. Last year it was six women. And it was, um, it was amazing. It was, you know, they were from all over. Um, and all over the U.S., and it was just, it was a great time to get together and, um, you know, take a break from everyday struggles in life, you know, uh, all the titles and work and kids and, you know, and just be, and so we danced, we laughed, we had a private chef, so we ate tons of good food and probably gained some weight, we drank wine, I mean, we had, it was just an amazing time, and then we did a lot of uh, self-work where we talked about you know what we're worthy of and how how we're going to complete this cycle and what happens when we get tired like you say you get the burnout how do you revitalize yourself to get back out there to to try again or to go into a new space or whatever you choose how do you do that and so um, we spent four lovely days together three days three and a half days together um, talking about that so it was it was amazing it's so interesting hearing the the things that can happen if you make time like it sounds like such an easy thing to do doesn't it but so so rarely do we actually go I'm gonna stop and give myself half an hour let alone kind of a a couple of days yeah Um, you never we never do that it's just it seems foreign like why would you want to why would you want to stop like <laughs> why would you want to take a break because I'm dying that's why if I don't take a break <laughs> I think it's yeah it like it really struck me last time of um just how little I see like this as part of conversations if like mm-hmm. it's we I don't know about what your experience is, but I often find that when I talk to people, we're talking about trying to incorporate, like I say, like half an hour, mm-hmm. uh, like reflection, mindfulness, yoga, whatever, mm-hmm. into their daily or even weekly routine, like trying to get half an hour or an hour into that. Yeah, um, yeah. That must be quite a journey 
with those early conversations with people when you're kind of promoting or talking about a yes. opportunity like that such it's such a big change for people yeah it is and um it's our concept of time because we assume uh, you work and you know we assume that in our day our day has to be filled constantly mm. with something and then if we're not doing anything but I'm sitting here with my eyes closed and I'm kind of just sitting there with my eyes closed I'm not doing anything we're taught like but you're being lazy you're wasting mm. time you know you could wash the dishes you could wash clothes you could fix dinner you could you know and you hear your mind tell you these million things you could and should be doing and so then you get up because you, you now guilted yourself out of your quiet time, out of your space when it's just as important as, as you know, everything else. It's just as important as cooking dinner to have that quiet time. But we've just been taught to go, go, go and fill our entire day to the point of exhaustion that um, it's hard to, to understand that concept of something else. Yeah, I think it's it's having that opportunity isn't it to stop and if if you're someone that is in my mind because this is often where I sort of find people moving towards crisis mm -hmm. it's like something quite big does need to change it's, uh, <laughs> kind of making that small adjustment mm -hmm. I, I think the small adjustment is really helpful if you're at a stage where you're struggling with maybe some early symptoms yes um or you're not feeling right or you're feeling like something's changed those little yeah. subtle changes can make a big difference then when yeah. you're in crisis or you're feeling like actually this has been a, a long extended period where I've been really struggling mm -hmm. I don't in my mind now especially having conversations <laughs> like this with you I don't know why like things like retreats or a more um, like a more sustained amount of time aren't yeah. spoken about or promoted more um, because that feels like that's what people need they need that break from what their current day-to-day -day at is, least for, for me like. yeah I was gonna say um, it looks like because most you and I don't know if I shared this before my stress was so bad it landed me in the hospital and I spent five days in the hospital. This is, God, it's been 12 years ago, maybe more. Um, I spent days in the hospital and my organs shut down. They were suiting up in whole hazmat suits to come in. They had no idea what was wrong with me. I was getting shots in the stomach to make sure I didn't develop any blood clots. Like I was on oxygen. They ran every test that they could. And on the fifth day, the doctor came in. He said, Ms. Waddell, <laughs> there is nothing medically wrong with you. He was like, you're in great health. You don't have high blood pressure. You're not diabetic. There's no cancer. There's nothing wrong with you. He said, you are stressed out in your body. You're not listening to it. So it decided to shut down to get some rest for you. And I was like, I'm not stressed out. How dare you say that to me? <laughs> Who are you to tell me I'm stressed out? I'm not stressed. And, you know, as I'm screaming at him and he was like, yeah, so I'm just going to keep you here for two more days. I'll give you something to make you sleep. And I was like, I don't need to sleep. I'm just fine. And he was like, nurse. And the next thing I know, it's two days later. 
I feel like a million bucks because I finally got some sleep. But I also <laughs> I also learned the importance of paying attention. But how many of us pay attention to the little things that our body tells us? We just keep going and going and going. And then we're in crisis mode and then you may see us. And I'm a fan of all things counseling. Um, and then, you know, by the time you see us, we're in crisis mode. And then we're like, okay, fix it all now. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. And like you said, it's the little baby steps that if we would do the retreats and or take the five or 10 minutes before we start the day or end the day, just to be quiet, just to relax or lock yourself in the bathroom like I do and take that quiet time, the crisis, you know, that would help. It. I ain't gonna say alleviate it, but it would help the process. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Of um, It's giving yourself that time and understand like, yeah, like <clears throat> having having I don't know yoga mindfulness 10 minutes mm -hmm. in a room that's not going to get rid of or remove mm -hmm. the problem that you've got but hopefully it is going to help with some of the symptoms that you're experiencing yes. and then you it gives you that time to be able to work on the illness or whatever else yeah. of that play there yeah it gives you time to be aware of it because you, you're not aware of it because you're just going going um i would tell anybody the first key to live past crazy is to be quiet is to sit in a room and be quiet because then you can you know things will come to you and you'll realize i really need to work on that man i you know i love to go to my counselor i see her every three months and i just go strictly for a mind dump it's where i go and <laughs> she lets me talk about any and everything under the sun and I said, okay, I feel better. She was like, all right, I'll see you next time. And that, that's it. It's just a mind dump for me. But I know it's no judgment. She doesn't know me. She, you know, she just knows me as Yamitra and that, you know, and that's it. And that is a relief for me. Mm. Um, and, you know, so when I go to retreat, so I have my quiet time, that's, you know, it also helps. And those are things I talk about when I, when I go for my next session. I think it, like it's definitely something I've started to think about again for this year of mm -hmm. feeling like I'm in an okay place right now, mm -hmm. but I know how useful kind of therapy and counseling have been in the past. It's like, mm -hmm. do you, it's now the time when you start to look forward and go, there are also <laughs> these other things that I'm not dealing with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is a good time to um kind of approach some of those as well. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of in my mind as well. And it's really interesting that you you picked up on some of the kind of the, the live past crazy yeah. um, side. Yeah. Sharing, yeah. Think sharing those experiences and showing there is um, a journey past. And I think that's the thing that's really struck me again over the last couple of years of this feels like there's so much isolation going on. And yeah. um, that's maybe maybe it's not hugely more than before but it feels much more visible than before yeah yeah um but how has because you've had a journey now where you've kind of shared your own experience you're engaging with other people mm -hmm. and there will have been people I imagine particularly like you say having that retreat uh last year mm -hmm. have gone through a, a period now where isolation has been a big um problem um mm -hmm. like we've mentioned actually there are times when we want that we want to step back and have moments <laughs> yes. to ourselves but there's also people kind of on the other end of that um, yes. or the other side, I guess, of feeling like they are actually very removed and very isolated. And, yeah, it, um, it was. That was one of the things we talked about at the retreat for some of the women <clears throat> who, first of all, we they only know me. They don't know each other. And right. so they're all coming to 
to come together because they miss that. You know, you miss that human connection. We're humans. We need that connection to each other. Like we need to talk whether we're in different countries or not. We need to talk and laugh and, you know, with the stressors and, you know, you're throwing a pandemic and it's just like, well, who do I even talk to? Where do I even go? What do I say? I'll just sit here and eat potato chips. And, you know, before you know it, <laughs> the whole bag is gone. So, um, it, it was, you know, that was definitely a conversation because we need that. We need that human connection. It's one of those things. I think you, it's sort of shit. I don't know. In my mind, I guess from my point of view, it really shifted. Whereas in the past, I would have maybe been a bit more of the mindset of oh, there's an expectation to attend or go to things yeah. and um oh, I don't want to spend that much time with people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's me <laughs> whereas I think now it feels a bit more like there's less expectation actually it's more about yes. kind of creating the opportunities and connections and moments that you really want to um, yeah uh, maybe in a year or two years time it'll have reverted back and I'll be saying no to it <laughs> yes. um, but now it feels like the focus has shifted a bit more to all yeah. of those things you were talking about of like human connection of conversation mm -hmm um having those just moments with other people yeah and and the intention like and so we're just a, like where people invite me and i'm and i'll say yes and in my mind i'm screaming no don't make <laughs> me go i don't want to go um because a lot of i love to talk and a lot of people think i'm extremely outgoing i'm i am to an extent but i am also an introvert i when i've peopled enough I've peopled enough I'm ready to you know take it home so with this this has helped me be more intentional about who I talk to who I hang out with it's just like oh well we're, we're inviting you over come hang out now I can be intentional about who I spend my time with and you know things like you said it's been a mindset shift and you know things have changed and it has made better relationships for me so now I'm very particular about who I'm going to talk to, who I'm going to hang out with, who do I, you know, who am I having this conversation with and what are we talking about? As opposed to, you know, you hanging out and then 30 minutes and all you could think about is I really wish I could just go home. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. And so, you know, the intention is, is the intention for it is different now. Yeah. It's that balance, isn't it? I think, um, yeah, hopefully it feels like people are kind of having those opportunities to, to connect in, but it's also about, I guess, us sharing those opportunities as well and mm -hmm. talking about yeah. the different ways you can interact. And one of those ways, I know we talked last time about um, your kind of the, is it the, the Fearless Morning Show, the conversations yes. you have. Um, and I think even those online conversations really fulfill mm -hmm. a, an important role and maybe even more so over the last two years yeah, where yeah. those in-person opportunities have been limited yeah um I kind of got I guess like two parts to a question mm -hmm. okay firstly like how has that been since we talked last how has it been running through the pandemic and also now kind of starting to come out of it where we do have more in-person things happening um what are you going to do with that how do you see it going because there's I guess more of an opportunity for people to do different things now do you get more engagement in the people that are watching and participating oh yeah I will say the morning show has definitely increased with participation um, because now you, you know we have different routines now 
Mm-hmm. Um, used to, you used to get up and you hop in your car and you drive to work. Well, now you hop out your bed and go to the next room or, you know, <laughs> there's just, you're not hopping anywhere, but down the hallway. Yep. And so I be, I've become a, a part of a lot of people's routine. And let me tell you the other morning I came on, I'm on at seven 30 and I came on at seven 45. By the time I hit seven 45, I had messages on Facebook. Is the morning show not coming on? Are you okay? Where are you at? Cause I never miss. And mm. I was like, well, my God, I overslept. I'm sorry. I just, I was tired. <laughs> I'm coming. And so, so now is I'm part of their daily routine and it's something, you know, it's something different than what they are normally seeing, you know? And so we become such a bigger family. And as far as coming out and interacting with people, again, the intention now with the, so we did the retreat last year in the middle of the pandemic, which uh, and well, the godly the pandemic has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. Oh my lord! Yeah. So the first one was in, was in 2020. So we had it in the very beginning of the pandemic. We had it again last year. And what I found was is you know the people it makes it way more intentional when mm-hmm. you are hosting anything or inviting people out. The the like mindedness is is what drives it. And so when people are inviting me to speak or come to come to speak, it, you know, we're making sure that we align with the intention. Like we're not just hanging out just to be hanging out. Like, what is the purpose? What do you really, because I want to make sure I'm giving them what they need, you know, the best mm-hmm. of whatever it is that they need. And, you know, I need to make sure that that aligns. And so I've been very um, choosy about, you know, where I go and what, what I'm talking about and, and the things that we're discussing. So, yeah. It's giving purpose to it, isn't it? I think yeah, it's a big thing. Um, in my mind, it, it, it's become a big thing of kind of considering what, what the purpose of conversations are. And mm-hmm. um, when you're, when you're delivering or when you're supporting someone, just sometimes it's a, a reflection point of oh I find this point really really interesting and I could delve up onto that and mm-hmm. but is that really the purpose of what I'm here for right um, and I think a big thing uh, particularly around kind of mental health often comes up for me is that um kind of sort of story sharing and sharing your mm-hmm. own experience and the value that can come from that is amazing um mm-hmm. but sometimes it shifts the focus too much and it's reminding yes. yourself of kind of what's the purpose here are we are we having a peer-to-peer conversation yes. where we're, just, we're just two people <laughs> sat chatting great um, yes. or am I here trying to provide some sort of service yes. and if so the focus shouldn't be on me um, right and I think that's a can be a hard balancing act mm-hmm. um, when people are coming into that as well so it's really interesting speaking to you and hearing even just like already in our conversation mm-hmm. that mindset of of how much you are there as a as a supporter and a provider right. um, to people while kind of your own thing is over in the corner it's like I'm here I'm dealing with this <laughs> yeah. um, there's so much of that happening uh, yes. like how much of a conscious thing is that for you to do or is it kind of just naturally I'm like I'm stepping into this role now yeah uh, so for now is a way it's way more it's way more natural um so that I I know that I don't have to I don't I call it picking it up I don't have to pick up that thing today so if I know I have 
of this that's bothering me, but I know I am going to speak somewhere. I don't have to pick that thing up if I don't want to. And I think that helps a lot, especially for me, that I realize I don't have to carry everything that I that comes up. Like I don't I don't want to carry that today. So I don't. I sit it over there in the corner. And then when I want to check in with myself and I say, okay, well, let me look at this and see, you know, what's going on, check in with myself and see what's going on with it. But when I am speaking a holding space for somebody else, then it is it is that role that I'm playing. So nothing else matters except, but then it takes time to get to that space. Mm -hmm. So which, you know, the quiet time that you have, the, you know, to calm your mind, to calm yourself, do the self work. So that when I have to do those things, it's an easy transition for me to, to go into that role. And it's, you know, it's easy for me to turn it on and off. It definitely takes, it, like you say, it takes time and it's learning. Different people are in different roles for different reasons. There, there's reasons right. why um, sometimes you need to share more because actually you're there. Maybe you're there like uh you're you're there as a key speaker well yes i'm, I'm here to tell you about <laughs> about <laughs> me so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah and i like you know what and i i found that i have to i have to be careful because my story is so heavy i like to tell people i'm gonna take you on a journey and mm. in the beginning it's going to be dark we're going to have some ups and downs but i promise we're going to live past all of this in the end because um you know you learn you know, you learn how to talk to the audience. So it's a very, my story is very emotional. So we go from the highs and the lows and there's tears and there's anger. Like you're going to feel all the emotions, but at the end, I'm going to bring you out on, on the bigger side of, you know, this is how you can live past crazy. And these are the steps you need to, you know, you need to take. So, um, and like you said, sometimes we have to be careful of the conversations that, you know, that we're having. And is this the right space? This is this the right space for me to sh share? Am I oversharing? Do they even want to know this? Because <laughs> um, some people are like I don't I don't want to know all the details. Yeah, just give me the highlights. <laughs> so, mm. That's all they want to know. But um, I think we have to be mindful of that because it can also put people in. It can be very triggering and put people in a in a different space. Definitely, and I think that's one of the interesting things I guess I find through through having conversations on the podcast where often you're. Mm -hmm um lots of fortunately lots of different guests come on and share their experience and um a good number come back and we sort of have a like a second or a third conversation mm -hmm. and I think I I mean I try not to make them all sound the same but I, <laughs> I feel like I probably ask very similar questions in a very similar order um yeah. but it's so interesting how each person kind of describes their experience in a very different way and it can be for so many different reasons it it can be because that's who they are and they will always speak about it in that way but right. it can be because that day at that particular time they're in a certain situation maybe they're mm. you know sat at home on the sofa and I'm talking to them and they're on their phone some are kind of sat in a like a home office some mm -hmm. are sat in the car um, <laughs> Like yes. there's so many different spaces and environments that people are in when you're having those conversations yes um not to even mention kind of what's gone on for the rest of the like for the day they've already had or the the day or the night that's kind of coming up that they right. might be thinking about yeah um and that's the variety of experience with people that are actively sharing their experience mm -hmm. and and know beforehand they're kind of coming into that environment and yeah. it just makes you realize how 
how varied the conversations and the way people would explain or describe their experience when yeah. they are just someone that's struggling that's sat down to yeah. talk to someone yeah and how they and how they handle it too mm. uh, because I, now i find that some everybody can't handle a heavy conversation mm. and everybody can't handle a light conversation so you, you also have to adapt to who you're you know who you're talking to and like you said or you know are you in this role or how, how do you prepare for it and um, I think and if you think about this Mike it think about it in terms of our family mm-hmm. um, my family for example you know how I how I speak to you is totally different how I speak to my mother we're not going to talk about mental health we're not going to have a conversation about healing we're just not she's going to talk about all the things that's wrong in life and how she's going to die one day and she's not going to be here. And if I don't call her every, and here's the family joke. If you don't call her in the morning by eight, she will call you. And I would say, Hey ma, she was like, I could have been dead resting in my grave, but you would have never known because you didn't call me. And, and I said, I'm sorry. It's 801. I missed my eight o'clock deadline. Like you, you just have to be prepared for like, you know, we're going to have different conversations with different people. <laughs> I'm not going to call my mother's like, Hey Ma, you know, you could really heal from this. Like you could, mm. she's going to say, Jojo, I'm, I'm not having that conversation with mm. you. Like she's going to say bye. And she's probably going to hang up the phone. And so, you know, we prepare ourselves for those. It's, it's it's so striking as well sometimes I was um we were watching I can't remember what it's called there's a program at the moment um on in the UK that's about a uh it's like a I think it's a doctor in a maternity ward and Mm -hmm. it's the program is based on a book which was written by someone who was talking about their own experience Mm -hmm. and um like in the story the the doctor has a makes a kind of a mistake and something happens and he doesn't kind of he's he's slowly through the program kind of feeling the effects of that mm-hmm. um but he doesn't tell kind of anyone in his life he doesn't tell his partner or his family mm-hmm. that he's kind of had this experience at work and that he's now kind of starting to feel the effects of that mm-hmm. um and it's just really i find it really interesting to reflect on kind of it's told as if like oh why doesn't he tell and, and I'm just like in my mind I'm like that's totally natural I would do exactly the same thing yeah, right. I, would, I would be telling like my partner and that would be like yes she would be yeah if it, it just I wouldn't naturally share that information I don't think with family and with many friends um and I think sometimes there's almost like an expectation that oh if if you've not told anyone then everything must be okay yes (laughs) oh god yes sort of doesn't acknowledge like you say some of those deeper conversations that might be um heavier need it yeah need more time yes we often don't have that or feel like we don't for lots of different reasons I know last time we talked a little bit about race and I think I've had lots Mm -hmm. of conversations where I've talked with with men about sharing their experience Mm -hmm. as well and the limitations that can come with a range of other kind of situations people find themselves in and right. it's like but we still sort of have this expectation that people will just tell us <laughs> yes but why didn't you say anything <laughs> and then we're angry like you should have told me yeah. she's like yeah I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to be judged so I'm not going to tell you 
yeah i just it, it sometimes it's watching that program it's sort of was one of those moments where it gets you and you go is that there is still this perception that just everyone tells everyone everything and yes <laughs> just... exactly my and my my family is like so if i tell my sister i said okay i'm going through this please do not tell our mother and do not tell our aunt hmm. same call Jojo now why didn't you tell us you I said I I told her not to say anything but you know uh, but that's how you know sometimes that's how family is but you have to be prepared you have to be prepared for those conversations whether you want to have them or not so um, they come in handy yeah it's definitely working out those relationships isn't it because I think oh yes everyone's so different like uh, yeah hearing conversations having conversations with people there are natural reactions that people have when they speak about <laughs> family and sometimes but not always sometimes there is this guise of like oh because this is my experience or my thought process I think this is there. how everyone reacts to their family yes and it's just like uh no <laughs> no, no, it's really, <laughs> no it's really not <laughs> no that's not how we react no, no. not at all oh yeah it, it is that now that was been my biggest learning curve as I have I, I call it my healing journey I've been on it for 17 years that was my biggest learning curve mm-hmm. was learning how to communicate my healing to those around me who are totally not interested in it mm-hmm. they don't care they don't want to know about it because they're not going to heal and they do not want me to bring any problems to them to say hey I feel like we could really work on this in our relationship they're not interested in that conversation and so that was that was a huge you know learning curve for me yeah it definitely is it's finding finding I guess finding your place or your places and your people as well yes Um, and I think that feels like it really fits in with like you say with the morning show with the retreat you're you're creating those spaces for people when creating those relationships with people that yeah um, they can start to identify those and yeah that you know people just want to know that they're they just want to know that they're safe to talk and share these things and and I tell people you know you're safe to talk about whatever you want to talk about here I'm going to talk about my business because that's the way I show you how you can live fast crazy or this Mm. is how you can work through it and so if I show you then not only I'm going to leave clues and lead the way, but now that space is safe for you to say, oh, me too. I feel that because I want to tell you all the crazy thoughts that I have. I'm going to share them because I cannot possibly be the only person in the world thinking this way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that helps build, you know, the relationship with the listeners too. And the ladies that come to the retreat, because they're like, you know, I was always afraid to share that or to say that. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was the only one that thought this way. And so we all want a safe space you know, whether it's with our husbands, our wives, our partners, we want somebody or someplace safe to share what we have to share. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I think we sort of, I guess we almost touched on this earlier when we were talking about like the purpose um, Mm -hmm. of the conversation and deciding how much we share. Like you, you don't just, I don't know, you don't just create those spaces (laughs) out of thin air. Like you have to, um, cultivate it yeah like okay maybe you're not the person laying down the bricks but uh, mm-hmm. I guess the metaphorical bricks um yes. of like you say of sharing that experience of 
hosting those conversations about sometimes it's things we don't know about like there's been conversations um on the podcast where someone's come on and shared their experience with an illness that I have next to zero knowledge about um <laughs> and it's that opportunity to to learn from them but you have to create that space to say look I'm happy to hear anything you've got to say and sometimes you need to give examples um as you've illustrated to kind of establish that I think the there are there are places there are opportunities for people to seek help or go and have conversations it's not that those places don't exist it's that for Mm -hmm. whatever reason they're not except they're not accessible they don't seem accessible to people right they don't know you're making yourself accessible or that place accessible because yeah there are there are places and I think even more so than there were um in the past there are so many online conversations and places people can go to um it really does rely on yeah it does and they, they need to know what healing looks like. They need to know what the journey, so you may have a problem, mm-hmm. but if you've never seen anybody solve it and you're out here struggling, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to solve that problem if I see the journey somebody else has taken. And, and I know we talked about this the last time in, in the black community, having this conversation around mental health, around healing, about moving past any trauma, it's just something we're not open to talk about. And, you know, that alone is a, that's a big hurdle. And so once you even get past that hurdle to say, hey, I think I'm going to go to counseling. I'm okay, but I still need to talk some things out. And they're like, oh, you don't want to go talk to the pastor? No, (laughs) I need a (laughs) professional. (laughs) And so once you get past that hurdle, you know, in our community, then that lessens the pressure because the pressure is building up to the point till you go because mm-hmm. you know when I went to counseling my mama said you're not crazy why are you going to talk to somebody I don't have to be crazy to go talk to some- to somebody that's not it and so I think we feel that pressure leading up to seeking out the resources and the tools that that we need but once we land there mm-hmm. like oh it wasn't all so bad after all mm. I think um one of the things I guess I've noticed as well since before our conversation but definitely since mm-hmm. it is the in I say kind of in my area in like the in the south of the UK mm-hmm. like there is seemingly like a lack of representation of um black and black mm-hmm. people within roles that mm-hmm. um would be I guess like just visually counsellors right. or therapists you don't right. see those people on on posters or on leaflets right. or on material that's not yeah. to say those people might maybe Don't they exist. do have maybe they do have diversity in their staff mm-hmm. who knows um <laughs> but then it's not it's not always visual and if if you can't yeah. see that yeah that's who you want to come and talk to and you want someone to yeah. understand some of your lived experience some of yeah. the, the things that you've you've had in your life yeah yeah is is that going to seem accessible I don't want to come along and have to spend the first half an hour telling you about right uh, something that you can't relate to (laughs) this is nothing to do with why I'm here to tell you about this (laughs) because it's going to feed into everything else yes um it's just it's it's yeah it's reflecting on what you need and I think sometimes we make the assumption of oh I don't need that and so no yeah. one else does. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like I would say from my experience, I I, de- I definitely feel more comfortable going into counselling or to a therapist mm-hmm. and speaking mm-hmm. to a female. Yes. So I almost don't want to see representation. <laughs> I, want, I want to speak to someone else. Yes. But that's not what everyone wants. And I do just yes. wonder sometimes whether people go, oh, I just want to see this sort of person or I don't want to see this sort of person. Yeah, and then I think I, that's very true, though. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's really tricky. And I've heard people because I've had uh, I've had similar conversations in the past. And like, oh, you can't always tell representation from pictures. Like, yeah, that's fine. If you're talking about, you know, uh, ability, disability, right. um, maybe like gender identity or sexuality. When you're talking right. about race, <laughs> yes, no, that is, it, it is visual and it is something that if someone wants to see representation, wants to know, I can come along and I get to talk to someone that right. might understand me and my culture a little bit more. Yes. And you just see a pamphlet with like five white dudes in it. <laughs> Yep. It's like uh, I don't know. This, this doesn't really look like my thing. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, because and like you said, you're gonna have to. I have to tell the back. So my first counselor was a white lady, hmm. and just like you said, the first two sessions I spent giving her back history so she can catch up to why I think this way. So now I have to educate her. So I'm, I'm like, let me listen. I need you to follow the story because this is how we think, and this is how. And, you know, as opposed to my new counselor who, you know, is a black female, I can go in there and I can go straight to the point and I don't have to build a backstory. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important. And listen, I was picky with my counselor this time. I didn't want somebody extremely religious mm-hmm. because I wanted to be able to cuss every once in a while if I felt like it. <laughs> and I didn't want to be just, you know, and I wanted somebody a little younger and not so old and set in tradition because I'm not your traditional kind of person and so I was really picky going in this time to to find somebody that you know that I could actually talk to and I I don't mind spending the money and you know that's another thing people I'm not gonna pay some stranger money to talk to them and you know people think like that I was like that's why you have insurance um that's what it's there for and that's you know that's what people are here for and a lot of people don't see the necessity of paying for that service I'll just talk mm-hmm. I'll just call Mike up and me and him I have the conversation I'll feel great <laughs> afterwards <laughs> like and that's what they think you know we all have friends like Jojo I got a problem mm-hmm. I'm glad you come and talk to me but I promise I'm I'm not a professional mm-hmm. they probably have a, a lot more tools than I have but you know you have to value that as well yeah and it's getting into that mindset isn't it I think from my point again it's it's having more people share their experience of mm-hmm. accessing therapy and counseling at different stages as well it's not just about crisis right um, which is still sort of where I feel like some of the conversation is it's about people are getting like oh it's okay to go to therapy and counseling when you're in this situation mm-hmm. yeah but also you could have gone earlier <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, yes. you don't have to wait until you're here yes um, it could have been a perfectly great day and you can go you can still yeah, go yeah and I think it's it's trying to shift in my mind it's starting to try and encourage people to shift that mindset now to a it's more like if you've got a, like a gym membership or something yes. like that or you've got some sort of leisure activity that you do regularly it's yes. thinking about okay this is it's kind of investing in helping you it's investing in yourself right. um 
it's just uh, yeah I, I've not got a snappy line for that um yeah. <laughs> I need to think <laughs> of a good example those are old ballot points like yeah. you have to you know you have to make it a part of your of your thing that you do it's just what you do mm-hmm. um I'm very aware. <laughs> it feels like suddenly we've run up to like 50 minutes already. I know. <laughs> we just chit chat too much. <laughs> um, uh, and it is it is your lunch break as well that I'm taking yeah. up. So uh, we will give you some time to to have some food and drink. Um, yes. If people want to find out a bit more about you, um, where are the places they can go, and where are the what are the things that are going on? Have you got more retreats and shows and stuff coming up that people can look out for? Yes, so um, they can find me at livepastcrazy.com um, or if they want to book for speaking, I also do book clubs We we where we go through all of my books one by one. Uh, so I do that. All of that is on livepastcrazy.com. Uh, the Sister Rise Retreat is coming up in October of this year. Um, they can go to bit.ly forward slash Sister Rise and, you know, learn more all about it and I think we're going to have the most amazing time ever. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on again and for, well, just sitting down and having a chat, really. really <laughs> <laughs> too many. I need to make some notes as to what we've talked about. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just been really nice to sit down and have a chat. And I think hopefully show that, you know, even in a, a short space of time, you can just sit down and have conversations. Yeah. We've encouraged people to go away and do that as well. Yeah, that's right. But thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your your experiences and your knowledge and i look forward to uh having conversations again in the future well thank you mike i greatly appreciate you having me on i, I had the most amazing time and then afterwards i always celebrate by going to burger king so that's what i'm gonna have for lunch today <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to get off quickly then so you've got time to refill the cup <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to need that for the rest of this afternoon. So absolutely. <laughs> I think I've worked, if you get two and a half cups, then that's an acceptable yes. sort of price yes. for a drink then. <laughs> it is. I have made, I've made my money back. <laughs> cool. Thank you. <laughs> now I'm going to be disappointed with whatever I've got downstairs. <laughs> Listen, I, look, oh, it's dinner time for you. Well, is, yeah. you can have you can have Burger King tomorrow for lunch. Yes, yes, I'll, I'll dine out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Well, you have the most amazing evening, and I, I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, you too. I'll speak to you soon. All right, bye bye. Bye. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. Sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission to say, you just need a little bit of help. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. 
not only did this help me to light it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. 